We're continuing this week and next week, the unsung heroes. And this one may surprise you. I hope that it does. Because here is our unsung hero for the week. It's you. Because all of us, if we understand what it means to have this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and then how that relationship and the work of the Holy Spirit carries out our lives, it makes all the difference in the world in how we do life. And, importantly, it allows us the privilege and opportunity of sharing the reality of Christ with others, whomever they may be. Our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, whoever it may be. We have that privilege as the Holy Spirit works in us to see that accomplished. Now, the scripture that I've chosen for today is in Ephesians chapter 2. And you'll see why this fits in so, I think, accurately with each of us being the heroes in the kingdom of God. And you were dead in trespasses and sin. Well, maybe that's not the important part we're going to get to. But it is important to know that's where we were. Before Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit brings us into this new birth, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. What's that mean? Remember in the garden? When they were told, don't eat of that tree, don't eat of that tree, don't eat of that tree, what did they do? They ate of that tree. And what happened? Death. What does that mean? They, they didn't die physically. What happened was they were separated from God. So this death here is us as human beings walking around in a functioning body, but because we have sinned against our God we're living in that sin and transgressions and trespasses against God and so God says in his word you're dead everybody you meet who doesn't know Jesus Christ is a walking dead person and look what he says this is where it gets so sweet and you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. He says, that was you, but that's not you now. A miracle has taken place. How many of you love reading the story of Lazarus in the Bible? Is that not a cool story? Jesus' friend is dead. He gets a message. Lazarus is sick. The disciples say, we need to go. He goes, nah, let's wait a little bit. And then Lazarus dies. As he's coming, the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, meet him at different intervals along the way. And they said, Lord, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, you know, I, I don't know if they said it a little accusatory or not. But our brother wouldn't be dead. We wouldn't be suffering the grief that we're suffering. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I not tell you that I was the resurrection and the life? Did I not tell you that? Show me where he's buried. Show me the tomb. He goes to the tomb. Now this is my interpretation of the story, which I think is 
really good. I didn't come up with this by myself, but I like it. Jesus walks in the cemetery. Now think think about this, because it's more than likely not the only tomb. He walks in the cemetery and he says, Lazarus, come forth. You do know that he was wrapped in grave clothes, right? You do know when they wrapped the grave clothes, they didn't wrap the legs separately because they thought they were going to walk later, right? (laughs) So how did he come out of the tomb? My guess is he just floated out. But here's the other part. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. If he just said, come forth, man, everybody in the graveyard would have gotten up. And they'd had it, whatever. But see, that happened to me because through the Holy Spirit of God, I heard, come forth. And I did. But it was by his invitation and by his enablement. And that's what this scripture is about as we look at Ephesians chapter 2. I was in that world. Of sin and trespasses. I was in that world of the prince of the power of the air. I was in that world of the sons of disobedience. You used to live there. My, my heart today for us in this room is that nobody's there now. I know it's possible that you could be here even though we are in what we call a church service. You could be here and still be that person. You could still be living in that world. Living by the lust of the flesh. Indulging in the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. Because this is the nature of the children of wrath. Without without the work of God. Without the blood that we just sang about. Without the Holy Spirit calling us. Ministering to us. Helping us. Enabling us. Birthing us. We'd still be there. If you're there, if you're here today in our company and you're still there and the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, let this be a time. Let this be the day, the day of salvation for you. It is absolutely, absolutely, eternally important that you know where you are in a relationship with Holy God. He said, you guys just like the rest. But God, rich in mercy. But God, rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Little caption there. By grace, you have been saved. If you're here today... And you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is by the grace of God. It is not what you have done. It is not what you are doing. It is by the grace of God. Now, how does that all play out? That's where we're going. But by grace, you have been saved. The simple definition of grace is this. Unmerited favor. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God gives. Why? Because he says, I love you. you got to get that. I love you. We look in the mirror and we see all the junk. And sadly, often there's plenty there. 
But God says, I love you. I love you. Even when you were there in your worst, worst condition and place, I love you. That's why my son came from heaven, died on that cross, shedding his blood as the sacrifice for our sin. And that's why our lives are different. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we are. We're walking through this life. But because of this relationship that we now have with Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, we're in this world and in this life. But our whole, I don't want to say it. Our whole purpose has been transformed by God. If you're here and you're in Christ, your whole purpose has been transformed by God. Pay attention as we continue in the same scripture. For by grace you have been saved through faith. By the way, where did you get the faith to be saved? It's a gift. Where's where's the salvation? It's a gift. Does God not demonstrate and prove to us over and over and over how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and why he has done what he's done so he can give this gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Sorry. If you're here and you're Catholic, I do not want to offend you. It's not my desire. But growing up, because we lived in Ohio, all my friends were Catholic. I tell people all my friends were Catholic. I was the one pagan Protestant in the group. And they all believed that you were going to get to heaven by your good works. Which could be manipulated, by the way, in case you didn't know. And you could get them to do about anything for you because they're trying to store up some good works here to, you know, have this eternity with God. But the Word of God says... Nope, it's a gift. Not results of works that no one should boast. I read this article. I'm guessing it is true. I don't know that it is. But it is said that when Napoleon decided he was going to be the emperor, he took the crown and put it on himself. If we could do salvation, if we could earn salvation through our works, and we got to heaven, we go get the crown, put it on ourselves. And we might give Jesus an honorable mention, but we would be saying and bragging to all the folks on the streets of gold, see the crown? You know what I did to get this? You know how many people I helped to get this? You, might, you know how many difficulties I went through to get this? Well, guess what? The Word of God says... It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Because if it did, wonder if God believes because he made us that we might have a tendency toward pride. You think? He made us. He knows exactly how we think. He knows our makeup. And as a result, he says, okay, it's a gift. It's only a gift. It cannot be earned by any form. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can't get it. Because if you did, you would be the one that we would be boasting. 
Now, here's where I want to get to. And this is why we're heroes, the unsung heroes. Our names may never be known anywhere. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know why you're here? Yeah, I know I, I got in trouble last week because I asked questions and then, so I'm, I get it. Nobody wants to answer. Why are you here? Why are you here? Okay, let me rephrase. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, why are you here in this world? Yes, you are here today to be fed. By the way, I love a quote I got from uh, Derek Prince this week. He said, you know, it doesn't matter how good the speaker is. If the Holy Spirit doesn't take the truth that's being presented and write it on your heart, it's not going to go anywhere. And that's true. That's why James says we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. See, being here today and hearing the word does not change your life. Now, it should, as you then by the power, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, put that word to practice in your life. And that will be the difference that people see and recognize as you live that life every day for him. Because then you're living for for what? For his purpose. God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Walk in those good works. So I thought it would be good, since James was the one who said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, to just take the first chapter of James. I didn't put it up there. You have to open your Bibles. If you don't bring them, let me encourage you to, because if you try to use your phone, guess what? Only so many people can get on. In the first chapter of James, there's a lot of revelation to what this really is. Now remember, we work because we're saved. We don't work to get saved. Everybody got that? Let me say it again. I'll make sure everybody understands. You do not work your way to salvation. But when you are saved, when that work, that supernatural work of God of new birth has been done in your life, then it will be evidenced by the work that you do in this life. So in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, You will be counting it all joy when you go through trials. Hallelujah. Isn't that what we do? We don't complain or grumble, do we? No, no, no. We face difficulties and trials, and guess what? We say, okay, Lord, I don't know exactly what all this is going to be about. I just want to praise you. I want to have this joy because, remember, the kingdom of God, according to Romans chapter 14, is righteousness, peace, and joy. So I'm living out his kingdom as this joy is expressed in my life. Verse 3 and also 12, we faithfully persevere. Isn't that cool? We're enabled by the Spirit of God to persevere. I mean, sometimes I encounter folks and the stuff that they have gone through, 
Oh my goodness. Their story would be like a horror story because of all the trials and difficulties and things they've had experience in life. And so as we come to this place of, wait a minute, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Well, that goes back to us understanding that in our relationship with God, He, is, as it says beforehand, had all this planned out. And so it is then our responsibility in our intimacy with Jesus through the Holy Spirit as we glorify the Father to figure out what the heck that is. And guess what? It's going to be different for each one of us. That's what makes it so fun. It's not like you can say, oh, oh, I see what they're doing. I'm going to copy that. There's no copycats. You can't cheat on this test. It's that relationship. And that's why as he loves me as he does, I can count it all joy no matter what I go through. And I can persevere in that. And I also demonstrate a maturity in the faith that he has given me as a gift. But now as I'm living it out and experiencing it, it continues to grow and mature. But guess what? Sometimes, sometimes we have our plans and we want to do it our way. How many of you remember what you want to be first in life? You know what I want to be that I remember wanting to be? I want to be a cowboy. You know why? I watched The Lone Ranger. I watched Hopalong Cassidy. I watched Gene Autry. All the cowboys, they were the heroes. Yeah, I want to be a cowboy. Wyatt Earp. For Christmas one year, I got a Wyatt Earp pistol set. Now, in case you didn't know, and you probably didn't even care, But Wyatt Earp had two different sized pistols. And one pistol had a longer barrel than the other pistol. So, I mean, I was the king of the crowd with my gun set, my Wyatt Earp gun set, because I wanted to be a cowboy. And I don't know what you want to be, but we want to be something. But as we grow and mature, and then as you enter into this relationship with God, things begin to change. For example, have you ever thought of the disciples? They all had lives. They all had plans. Most of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. He told me, come follow me. If you're here and you know Christ, he said, come follow me. What does that mean? Follow him. Well, that's when he goes, that's where I go. Think about the disciples. Jesus says, let's go to the next town. What do they do? Go sit down? No. They follow him to the next town. Jesus said, it's time to eat. Let's get some food. What do they do? They sit down and they have food. He says, it's time for us to have communion. What do they do? They get the stuff so they can have communion. It's that relationship, that intimacy And it begins to just flow out of us because of the work that God has done in us. In 1.5, James 1.5, it says, And we have wisdom, which means applied truth. That we're living this out every day and, and it's making the difference in how we make decisions. Like I mentioned before, and I have on numerous occasions and others who speak as well. We don't make decisions without consulting God because he has a plan. And it isn't infrequent that
that we make decisions when we haven't consulted him or his word. And then we wonder why things are as they are. Now, that doesn't mean because we follow him, it's going to be perfect. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. That's pretty simple instruction. They're doing it. They get in the boat. They're going to the other side. And guess what? He's up on the mountain praying. They're in the boat on the water and the storm comes up. They're exactly where he told them to be. And they're in the middle of a storm. Guess what? Sometimes that's what happens to us. We're doing exactly what he told us to do. And there's a storm. Now, what was the purpose of that storm? Jesus decides to go the other side. And by the way, what mode did he take? Walking on the water. He's walking along. They're in the boat. Now, these are fishermen, most of them. So they know about boats. They know about storms. They know this stuff. And they're scared. They think they're going to die. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. What else would you expect, right? And, And they, wait a minute. There's the Lord. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, have me come to you. Jesus says, come on. Come on. Peter hops out of the boat. And yeah, Peter gets a bad rap, but he's the only one got out of the boat, just so you know. He hops out of the boat. He's trucking over to Jesus. But he makes a mistake that a lot of us make. He took his eyes off of Jesus in the midst of our storms. We start looking at the circumstances. We start looking at the people. We start listening to the wind. We start feeling the rain. And we do what he did, began to sink. Praise God. (laughs) Peter was smart enough to get his attention back on Jesus. And if you've ever been there, I hope you do as well. And Jesus took his hand, lifted him up, went back to the boat. And then he said something to the disciples. Because they're saying, really, Lord? He goes, you guys could have taken care of this. I've given you authority. So there are things in our lives that as we submit to him and the Holy Spirit's working in us, we have authority to deal with in a way that we may not do as we should. And each time we have to work through that. That's why I love biblical characters like King David. And King David was another one. He's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. He didn't know he was going to be king. He's out taking care of the sheep. He's doing the thing that he was purposed to do, at least he thought, for his life. And had God not interrupted that to make him king, he would have continued that all his life. Now, there's nothing wrong with shepherding. Unless that's not what God has for you to do. So his whole life gets changed. Was he perfect at it? Well, not according to what I've read. He messed up royally. And yet God, the God of heaven, looks at David and says, but this man is after my heart. What was that all about? David was the guy who was introducing deep, true worship into the nation of Israel. He said, He is a guy who can express his love and care for me. So whatever path we're on, 
Make sure that it's the path that God has for us. Because the next verse says, in verse 8, says that those who ask for wisdom and receive it are those who are not double-minded. And that, by the way, means kind of crazy. What it means, you're double-minded, you're, you're crazy. In 17, it says, receiving good and perfect gifts from the Father. You know, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. We should be looking for them. That would be called, I think, an optimist. Have you ever been in the presence of a pessimist? It's like, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. If it wasn't for all the bad things, woe is me. Woe is me. Where's the faith that's the gift of God to us through Jesus Christ, who not only gives it to us as a gift, but then perfects it over time as we grow and learn in that relationship. So we're all here to carry out his purpose, his work, his will, his way in our lives and receive those good gifts. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Who in here has got a short fuse? Don't raise your hand. I'm sorry. Jeez. Sometimes I have to preference things. I grew up with a short fuse. Everybody in my family had one of those. And we would light each other's fuses to prove it. Eight kids, mom and dad, that's a lot. I would never forget how quickly the Holy Spirit began to convict me of this. I accepted Christ on a Sunday. On Monday, the conviction of the Holy Spirit set in. Because I went right back to doing what I had been doing previously. And now, it was wrong. Not because somebody had told me it was wrong. But it was wrong because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. This is not how you live. This is not how you do this. So all these things, all these good works are the result of knowing Christ. The result of the work of the Holy Spirit. Not because I'm trying to gain something from God. And then of course we have to go back and we've talked about this many times. Examine our motives. Why are we doing it? Are we doing it to get recognition? Are we doing it because we want other people to think more highly of us? Why are we doing it? Can we honestly, honestly before him as our witness say, Father, I'm doing this because I love you. That's the only reason I'm doing it. It's only because I love you. Verse 21 says, get rid of moral filth and evil. In other words, clean it up. Let the Holy Spirit shine his light in our lives. And guess what? I've been at this for over 50 years and he's still shining his light and revealing stuff that needs to be taken care of. How wonderful, how blessed I am. 21 says we're humble. That's back to what's our motives. Is Because he says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. Doers of the word, not hearers only. Verse 22, control of the tongue. Can I make a real strong recommendation to all of us? Make sure before you start expressing your opinion that you have checked in with God. Because it may well be 
that that's not what God wants you to say. Because we're told in the scripture that the words from our mouth should be encouraging and helpful and for building up. And we have a whole lot of tearing down going on in our world. And sadly, it's in the church as well. So all this is God saying, this is, this is just a simple, simple sample from James 1. And then verse 27, I, I, I thought this was good. Look after the orphans. It says that pure and undefiled religion is taking care of the orphans. You know what's really sad today? The orphans live in our houses because we don't take care of them like we should. We have learned that electronics are great babysitters. We have learned that we can drop them off at a curb somewhere and somebody else will educate them. We have learned that if they want to play a particular sport, we can drop them off at another location and somebody will take care of that as well. We have learned that if we want them to know things about God, we can take them to church and somebody will do that. That is not why the church is here. That's why God made you parents. That's why God made you, in some cases, grandparents to do that work. Because it is so necessary and it isn't to be parceled out to someone else. It's us as parents doing that work. Training our kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that when they're older, they won't depart from it. It doesn't say they won't stumble. That doesn't say they won't get into difficulty. It says that the Spirit of God, if we've done the work as God would have us to do, that Spirit of God in them will bring them back. We told our kids as they were growing up, and they were, you know, kids that made professions early on, and then as adults they made their own uh, profession of faith. We told them, we said, you may mess up, but we can promise you this, you will have to climb over a whole lot of prayers. Because we pray for you every day. And guess what? Our kids are grown. We still do. And our grandkids as well. You don't quit. You persevere. You live the example. And let me get back to the kids and the parents. If your philosophy for raising your child is do as I say and not as I do. Stop it. That's idiocy. Back to controlling the tongue. If your language is contrary to the word and will of God, and you're expecting your kids to speak something else, guess what? They won't. They'll follow you. Take care of the widows in the same verse. Who are the widows? Well, those who have lost their husbands. And other scripture says that the, the family is supposed to take care of them first. But when there's no family, then we as a church aren't supposed to do that. It's just, in one sense, it's almost common sense. But in another sense, it has to go beyond that because common sense is not enough for what God is doing. Because as we talk about our kids and raising our kids for the glory of God, 
That's for them to unpack what God made them for and what the purpose is for them. How many dads have wanted their kid to be a great sports star because maybe dad wasn't a great sports star or maybe he was and he wants, you know, ditto on the kid. Maybe God wants your child to be something totally different, to be an academian. Our moms, you want your child to be the beauty star? Nothing wrong with that. But what what does God want? I was reading a chapter in a book yesterday, and this lady was a very uh, popular, very well-known model. And she came to know Christ. A friend took her to a church service, and in the church service she accepted Christ. And she said she went back to work doing what she had been doing, modeling, and she was, wait a minute, this is not honoring to God. And she said over a period of time, God began to, the Holy Spirit bring conviction in her life, just began to move her back from that. And she said, how I live my life is more important than how much money I make or how much fame I get. And she left the modeling profession. All because the Holy Spirit showed her that was wrong. God has for me and God has for every one of us a purpose. And he put that in us, even though we didn't know it. The moment of conception. Now, again, guiding your kids. We live in a world now that has gone absolutely insane. And so there has to be a greater, greater work from the parents by the power of the Holy Spirit to help each child. Because now in some states, what is it? That if your child decides they want to be another sex than what they were born with, at five, the parents have no right to know or to respond. Who would have dreamed our world would be this insane? But it is. And guess what? We're the ones. We're the ones that God has put here for this time. And we get to walk this out and live this out because he prepared this from before the foundation of the world. And now he says, just walk in it. Just walk in it. As I told you, the disciples walking along with Jesus. That's what we do. We get up every day. We're walking along with Jesus. What is it you have today, Father? What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live today? How should I respond to this situation? What should I do with these things that are coming at me? That's every day. Every day. Every day. And that's how we get to be the heroes in our world today. We get to be those. But only... Only by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. As we walk this out, as we reveal to the world, this is how God's grace works. I used to be this, dead in trespasses and sins, but now I'm alive in him because he gave me life. And his blood, his blood covers my sin. And I get to be free, 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 
free indeed to live the life that he has created me for and the purpose that he has for me and the difference that makes. And it's always going to line up with this. So don't come up here and say, oh, i got some weird stuff going on. Well, let's see if we can find the principle or the truth that applies to that. Because this has to be, as the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of this, helps us to live this. Would you stand as we pray? (laughs) Holy Spirit, you're here. We praise you that you are. Father God, you have created every one of us with a purpose and a plan. And now whatever is required by you and each of us for that to happen so our world can know that you are God, you're supreme, you're sovereign, and that you, Jesus, what you did on our behalf makes all the difference. And now, Holy Spirit, thank you for working this all out in my life. In the life of every person who's here, no matter how old we are or how young we are, that you, God, are working it out, working it out, causing your name to be honored and glorified, and Jesus, you to be exalted. We pray this in your name, Lord Christ. Amen.